Well, I find myself searching for wisdom a lot these days. I think that's what happens when it seems as if the rules are changing every day. Every day I post a morning prayer on social media. And what's interesting, I look back and realize that in some way, some way shape or some way in, in the form of that prayer, I have prayed for wisdom. Wisdom for our world, wisdom for our nation, wisdom for our lives, wisdom for my life. And maybe what I'm praying and longing for without really knowing it is simply praying for understanding and praying for guidance on how to do life and live life well during a time of life which seems so unpredictable. This morning I was sipping my coffee, paying attention to the weather report, and the prediction for the next 24 to 48 hours is what was called a wintry mix. I chuckled to myself because I thought, now that's a pretty apt description of my soul at times, a wintry mix. I think weather forecasters use that term wintry mix to basically hedge their bets. It pretty much covers all different kinds of weather. Uh, it covers snow, sleet, freezing rain, and just plain cold rain. And if any of that happens, you could put it under the category of a wintry mix. Now, when my soul feels like a wintry mix, it has all these elements of sadness, grief, of dormancy. It feels cold, and sometimes it even feels a bit gray. There may be times when it feels like this cold wind is blowing across this barren soul. And the best image I have is of open cornfields in Indiana during the wintertime. The wind blows, the snow swirls, and sometimes there's a driving in cold rain, and sometimes it's a very, very barren feel, and there is this wintry mix. Now, the thing with a wintry mix is you don't know how to prepare. Should I wear a hat? Should I wear a jacket? Should I wear a raincoat? Should I wear a sweater underneath that jacket? How do I prepare for this wintry mix? How do I protect myself from the elements of this wintry mix? And maybe that's the bottom line. Maybe that's the bottom line question for me, for both the weather and the wintry mix of my soul. How do I prepare for it? And how do I protect myself from all the elements of it? Now, life in general feels like this wintry mix, and it has felt like this wintry mix, a sort of brutal existence with cool winds, barren surfaces, a grayness that seems to be more prevalent than clear skies, and this unpredictability that leaves us guessing on how to show up, on how to prepare ourselves. And looking at the calendar this past week, I took note that we're slowly coming up on one year, that we transitioned out of the meeting house into all these creative and flexible ways that we have been providing worship, video, Facebook Live, and outdoor worship. We've adapted our meetings and we've adapted our gatherings to enable folks to connect as much as possible and to continue on with our ministries to the community. And you all have done, and we all have done together very, very well. But even though we've had months of warm temperatures during this time, it still feels like there's this wintry mix, if you will, with just a little bit of touch of grayness. And for many of you, this season has felt like this prolonged inward wintry mix with grief and loss brought on by cancellations, altered events, postponed weddings, anniversary trips, and even the loss of loved ones, of family, and of friends. The weather outside, quite honestly, at times, has probably felt warm and full of summer and maybe full of fall, but inwardly, inwardly, there may have been this sort of prolonged, extended wintry mix, always unpredictable, sometimes a little bit barren, sometimes gray, always longing for clarity and brighter days. 
So yeah, I kind of find myself searching for wisdom these days, and especially on those days, like I said, when it feels like this wintry mix. How do I prepare? It feels so unpredictable. I'm searching for guidance. I'm searching for understanding. I'm searching for a way to make sense of life because there are days, quite honestly, when it just doesn't seem to make sense. Psalm 111, which I referenced earlier, it ends this way, the very last verse, quote, Fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. Sure knowledge is for all who keep God's laws. God's praise lasts forever. Well, there you have it. If I want wisdom, if I want guidance, if I want understanding, it begins with fearing the Lord. But you know, on the surface, that sounds so unhealthy. It feels like the only way to maintain anything in life, the only way to, to have wisdom in life is to hold on to this sort of neurotic fear of what God may do to me, but then hold that intention with the other reality that God's basic response towards me and all of life is that of love. So how does one live with both that sense of being loved as well as fearing God? What am I, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, maybe what I'm missing, and maybe what we all miss at times, is a better understanding of fear. In his book, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places, the late Eugene Peterson, who was a wonderful author um, and pastor, he explores this use of the word fear in the gospel stories. And what he found was this, that the word fear was frequently used in a way that went far more than simply being scared. He found that it includes all the emotions that accompany being scared. For example, this disorientation, the not knowing what is going to happen to us, the realization that there is far more here than we had any idea of. And then Eugene Peterson adds this, and that more and other is God. When that happens, we begin to get in on the fear of the Lord. When that more and other, in quotes, is God, we begin to get in on the fear of the Lord. And then he offers this wonderful extended description of what the fear of the Lord looks like. And this may help. Quote, fear of the Lord is the cultivated awareness of the more and the other that the presence or revelation of God introduces into our lives. I'm not the center of my existence. I'm not the sum total of what matters. I don't know what will happen next. Fear of the Lord keeps us on our toes in the play of creation, keeps our eyes open, something going on here, and I don't want to miss it. Fear of the Lord prevents us from thinking we know it all, and therefore from closing our minds or perceptions off from what is new. And the fear of the Lord prevents us from acting presumptuously and therefore destroying or violating some aspect of beauty, truth, or goodness that we didn't recognize or we didn't understand. And then Peter Peterson adds this long um, and adds this, and ends this long riff on the fear of the Lord with these words. No matter how much we travel through creation, no matter how many pictures we take of its flowers and mountains, no matter how much knowledge we acquire, if we fail to cultivate wonder, we risk missing the very heart of what is going on. It's kind of strange, maybe, to put wonder together with fear. But maybe wonder is less about suspicion, and it's more about being driven to this deeper exploration, this deeper openness and understanding through beauty and moments of awe. Being open to wonder is holding tightly the sacredness of life and reverencing each moment as sacred. 
and it's being open to holy curiosity about what it might mean and what it's teaching you. Living with this sense of wonder is less about controlling, it's less about mastering life as it is about being open to the gifts and to the graces, the unfolding of life as it unfolds around us, as it unfolds within us. Last Sunday, I was again sipping my coffee and I was sort of slowing into the day. And often I'm preparing myself around that time in the morning on Sunday uh, mentally for the uh, Facebook Live Coffee with Scott that we have at 10 a.m. And as I sat there, I began to wonder to myself, and there it is, you see, I began to wonder what the last 10 months or so had taught me. And I wondered within myself what I had learned about myself or maybe what I was learning about life through this pandemic journey. I pulled out my phone, took out my little, took out my little smartphone notepad, and I just began typing away. And I typed in the heading, Pandemic Reflections. And before you know it, I had a list of 10 things that I had learned, or 10 things that I felt like I was learning or that I was in the process of learning. And I called them my Pandemic Reflections. And then I found out throughout the day that they resonated with other folk as well. Someone later asked me um, in the week if I had put them in any particular order by numbering them one through 10, and I hadn't. Um, but I did note with interest that the very first learning I wrote down was this one. Life is never really in our control, and faith is simply responding to the uncontrolled nature of life. Now I wonder, what would you write down? What would you put down if you yourself asked yourself this question? What have I learned through this pandemic journey? What have I learned about myself over the last 10 months? What have I, ha what ha what have I learned about life over the last 10 months? See, I believe that we often miss the source of our greatest wisdom, which is our own experience and how we respond to life with all of its ups and downs and the various circumstances we experience. I think we often distrust our own understanding so much that we often reduce our experience down to simply parroting someone else's opinion of life. Or we never take time for self-reflection and we don't listen to our own lies for what it may teach us. Now this may seem risky to some, since it seems as if we're setting ourselves up as our own authority. But maybe that's because we forget, or, and I forget, that all of life is encompassed and embraced by the presence of God. And that all of life has this potential to teach us what is true, what is right, what is good, if we pay attention to it. All of life, as I said at the beginning of this worship, is this big story of God, capital S, this big story of God, inviting our own personal stories into this big story. And in the context of this big story, we learn from our own stories, and we learn from God how God is shaping and forming us. As Eugene Peterson wrote, the fear of the Lord is this type of cultivated awareness. It's this cultivated wonder of what God is up to in the world and what God is up to in our lives. This is why I think it's so important to read all of Psalm 111, because everything that precedes that last verse, which reads, the fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins, is this reminder to us that we live in this God-soaked, grace-saturated world where God is always at work and God is always present and God is always creating, and God's big story, capital S, is inviting us to have our personal stories shaped by this great, good, loving, creating, embracing God. 
So listen to these words from Psalm 111, and I'm going to read these from the New Living Translation. Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord, and all who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. Who can forget the wonders he performs? How gracious and merciful is our Lord. He gives food to those who trust him. He always remembers his covenant. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. And all he does is just and good. And all his commandments are trustworthy. They are forever true, to be obeyed faithfully and with integrity. He has paid a full ransom for his people. He has guaranteed his covenant with them forever. What a holy, awe-inspiring name he has. Reverence for the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. The rewards of wisdom come to all who obey him. Reverence for the Lord, this translation says, is reverence for life. It's having faith that life in all of its seasons, in all of its, all of its unpredictability, can still teach us about ourselves, about life, about God, what it means to live faithfully in partnership with God. It's realizing that we don't have to compartmentalize our lives between the sacred, between the real, because all of life is sacred. All of life adds something to our, our own flourishing. And experiencing the reality of life, experiencing life as it is, can be the most spiritual thing we do. And paying attention to what we are learning can yield the best wisdom we could ever receive because it's within the context of life that God teaches us and God shapes us and God reveals to us the wisdom we need to live well. In closing, I want to share with you uh, my list um, that I wrote last week without any comment on each of them, but I just want to share it with you. This is the wisdom I've gleaned so far. Number one, life is never really in our control, and faith is simply responding to the uncontrolled nature of life. Number two, we are created for connection and relationship. Living disconnected is our greatest fear. We are created for community. And number three, we are commanded to care for one another as our brothers and sisters keeper, but the arc of our choices bends toward glorifying our own individual rights and our own freedoms. Number four, creation and nature have been a neglected gift in my life, and it's one that I need to be more intentional in stewarding as well as enjoying the healing experience of nature. Number five, I rediscovered the enjoyment of simple things, and I discovered that it is possible to be a glutton of entertainment, to soothe the boredom of the soul, and miss the enjoyment of simple pleasures and simple conversations. Number six, life is best lived, taken at one day at a time. Prepare for the future, but live each day purposely and with the awareness of the moments. Don't overthink next week and miss today. Number seven, grief is a very real experience that needs space, time, and presence to be processed. Loss comes to us in many forms, and all loss is grief, and we need to, we need to sit with our grief. Number eight, technology is like any other resource. It can be stewarded for good purposes, or it can be abused for unhealthy purposes. And number nine, our emotional self and our mental health cannot be compartmentalized away from our spirituality. They're all parts of the whole that we call the spiritual life. And I would add depression and anxiety is very real and shouldn't be shamed, but rather offered compassionate presence by others. And number 10, 
Church buildings may close, but the church is still alive and active every day through being God's active presence and making God's love real in all that we do and say. The purposes of God are open every day, regardless of how closed the buildings are. Now here's the thing. I didn't get those 10 items directly from Psalm 111. In other words, they were not in a verse. They weren't specifically outlined um, as a command, um, as a point of teaching. These are simply what I learned by listening and by paying attention to my own self, by hearing what God might be speaking to me. This is wisdom for me, wisdom that speaks to my condition, but wisdom that comes out of this sense and understanding that all of life is sacred, all of life is to be revered, and that in that reverence and sense of wonder, asking myself the question, I wonder what the last 10 months has taught me. In that sense of wonder, it's, it's a way of redefining the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Living within all of this uncertainty, living within all of this unpredictability that sometimes seems fearful, that sense of fear opened my heart up to listen for the wisdom that I hope and pray God revealed to me, at least in that moment, at least for the next few weeks, at least giving me something to reflect upon and to pray through and to ask myself, how does this shape and form my life? So what are you learning? What wisdom is God revealing to you about life, about faith, about your own journey, about your own self? How do your own fears, how does your own anxiousness about the unpredictability and uncertainty of life, how does that teach you and open you to the wisdom of God? And how can we all cultivate awareness and wonder in our life so that we can remain open to the wisdom and understanding that God seeks to reveal to us?